Welcome to the Speech Source Podcast. My name is Mary Brzeek. And I'm Kim Dillon. We are two pediatric speech-language pathologists with a combined 25 years of experience. We are your source for speech, language, feeding, play, and much more in between. Today, we are talking about a topic that seems to be very popular just whenever I'm talking with other mom friends or other parents um, with kids that I'm working with, and it has to do with picky eaters. And I know this is a really hard thing to distinguish sometimes with your own kids because kids go through all kinds of stages um, from the moment they start eating. And they're going to have periods of time where they are pickier eaters. And really at the end of the day, it is going to take um, a professional, a speech pathologist or an occupational therapist to help determine if it's just picky eating or if it's something more that needs intervention. But today we just wanted to talk and Mary is going to give us some opportunities, maximizing opportunities for picky eaters. She's going to just go through and give us about eight different things that we can really implement with all kids. These are all just really great tips that we can think about as we kind of go through all those stages with our kids. And um, if we hit a hit a spot where they're not wanting to eat certain foods. These are just great tips. Yes. So Kim, we also wanted to mention that we have decided to put all of this content into two separate episodes, just so that it would be hopefully easier for all of our listeners to have two shorter episodes, as well as being able to really receive the information and put it into practice, put it um, a few of our tips into practice at a time. Um, Don't feel like you need to do this all at once, but we are so excited to dive in and give you some tips to help your families enjoy mealtime at home. Mary, tell us about some of these opportunities that you were able to sit down and organize so that you can share with us today. Yeah. So when I thought about this episode, I really tried to put down a few things that are just kind of my tried and true that are the good foundation. And this is generally when we see kids one-on-one, this is kind of the groundwork of what I want to be in place so that I can layer all the individual needs on top of this kind of foundation. So I'm excited to share it because Um, This is nothing that I've learned from a specific course per se, but it's kind of a compilation of all the different, you know, courses I've done and also just the experience that I've had working with picky eaters. And like you said, Kim, it's really hard to see if your kid is picky or a problem. So that's definitely an individual therapy kind of need. But today we can talk about ways that um, ways that you can address kids that are showing preferences or pickiness at any level. So the first step um, to dealing with your picky eater is number one, it's all about your tone. So the pressure that we put on ourselves and our children during mealtime is really, really toxic and damaging. And so The pressure is like, honestly, it's number one through eight of importance. It is that important is 
to release that pressure and verbalize it to someone. Say, this is really hard. I'm really frustrated by the way that my child is eating, or I'm really nervous and scared about their nutrition. I am feeling so worn down. Whatever those feelings are, talk about it to your friend or your partner or husband, wife, whatever. And then really just commit to saying, I'm going to release those feelings. I'm going to get help to um, get therapy if I need it. But also, I am going to make a choice to no longer decide I am fully in control of what my child is eating and make a choice to say, hey, I'm not going to make this all about pressure. We're going to make mealtime positive. So definitely all about tone. And, And with that, one thing that you can put in practice today is I want you to leave and find something that you can be proud of for your child during mealtime. So maybe you're proud that they just sat at the table for two seconds and didn't get up. It can be really small. I mean, we're talking small things, but whatever it is that you're proud of them for, or maybe they just, you know, they just had a happy attitude during mealtime. That's huge. Whatever it is, I want you to find that thing that they did well with food and say, I am so proud of you. You did a great job because with no pressure comes the emotions of being able to tell your child, I'm proud of you. You're doing awesome. And success breeds more success. So really finding ways that we can praise them and not highlight the things that are struggling with is something I'd really recommend. Because Kim, you know, how do mealtimes go at your house in terms of uh, tone and, and pressure? You have four kids. I mean, <laughs> what are, how, how do you even navigate that? I've got three, but two at the table and it's, you know, it, let's just say keeping it positive and no mm-hmm. pressure is an active work. <laughs> it is. And especially every kid is so different and they're such different eaters. And even with us or our four, they're all very different eaters. And I would say this is probably this number one, you know, letting go of that pressure is definitely the hardest thing to do as a parent, because it is about this false sense of control that you have as a parent in feeding your child. And a lot of times for us, we are, you know, our lives are busy and we need to go and we need to keep going. And, you know, when things aren't happening, right, when you feel like they need to be happening, that can create stress and anxiety. And it's so easy to get caught up in that. And when your child's not eating what they need to eat or doing what you're wanting them to do, it's hard to let go of that. But I I think and I know that this is the most important thing because they are going to feel that um, from us, that pressure and that stress, and they're going to respond that way. So it's different between all of our kids and different times too, but I definitely agree with you that trying to realize that you're not in control of that and letting go of that, that pressure is definitely number one. For sure. Oh man, it is. It's so hard. And especially for us type A personalities, Mm -hmm. it's just... It's rough. It's rough, Mm -hmm. but we can do it. It's an active thing we can work on. So that would be... Yes, the number one for me. Um, then, okay, number two, 
um, is to give the foods good FaceTime outside of meals. So I kind of talk about this with parents as like, um, I do use a lot of analogies. So um, bear with me here. But here's a sports analogy for you is that basically mealtime is game time. Meals are needed for nutrition and they're needed for calories and energy. And, you know, we don't always have a lot of flexibility with them if they're at school or parents' um, different work schedules. So I would kind of, I set mealtime aside because I'm no nutritionist, but I know that if I'm working on something, it can't be when it really counts. Like during the game is not the time to try something new with your free throw. If you're playing basketball, you know, like not the time it's going to go really (laughs) poorly, you know? Mm -hmm. So when you're doing your practice, that's the time your snacks are the time that you can really try new things. And that's the time when like the pressure's off and we can be flexible. We have more time and we can kind of figure some things out together. So definitely when you're presenting new foods, always do it outside of a mealtime. So, and snack doesn't have to be scheduled. Um, You know, so a lot of times um, I will hear those kind of incidental trials from my patients is, um, I remember this one dad was saying, yeah, I was just in the kitchen. I was just like grabbed a banana off the counter, started eating it. And my kid just came up and was like, hey, can I have a bite of that? He was like, my jaw dropped to the mm-hmm. floor. This is a kid who doesn't eat a single fruit, right? So, he, and he just kind of like was stunned and was like, sure. <laughs> just slowly hands over the banana. The kid took a bite kind of shrugged, walked right off, right? So like that kind of idea is that we need to just make casual opportunities for kids to see food, get FaceTime with these foods, but not feel the pressure to eat it. So um, that's know- interesting, Mary. I had just almost that same type of story as I was talking to a, a mom at dance and her daughter is a picky eater. And she was telling me that her and her other daughter um, we're eating this, I think it was like a cracker, a certain type of, type of crap, cracker, maybe a sweet potato cracker, but they just had the bag out on the counter and they were both just kind of like had been snacking on it. And her daughter, that's a picky eater, went by and took one and ate it. And, you know, I think it's, it is that it's at no pressure. She's not being required to do anything. She's seeing other people eat and snack on it. And so that's interesting that kids, kind of feel safer trying at those times. Right. And your friend, I mean, first off, they were eating sweet potato chips, right? Like if, if you don't, if they're never around those kind of chips, there's never the opportunity to do that mm-hmm. or try it. So um, definitely being around these foods, like you said, just in non-pressure ways is really important. So um the if any of you office fans, you know, Michael Scott, Wayne Gretzky, whoever you want to attribute it to, the whole concept that you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, right? Mm-hmm. So just think about that of like if your kid is never around a cucumber or they've never seen a sweet potato chip, they will have zero opportunity to ever try something or to succeed at it. 
So it is important to be around these foods in general. Um, another way that I've I've seen this kind of manifest is whenever we go on Christmas break, a lot of times kids will take a break from therapy, right? And they will come back and I swear, like when the when parents are both not working, they take a break or they not a vacation, but like a staycation mm-hmm. at their home. The activities kind of stop and they've got family time together. I hear families come back and tell me about all these wins. It's mm-hmm. really phenomenal because like it's the child feels safe. They feel supported. They feel like the pressure's off. They're not seeing me once a week, you know? And I'm like, dang, why am I, why am why are we even working together? You guys just need to like take a vacation and like go at it, you know? But um, but that's a huge way that just to keep in mind that just you know, having being around foods in a positive environment is really important and um definitely would recommend that. So how you put this into practice, right? How you put it into practice today is whenever you have a snack time with your child today, put something out on the island or the counter or the table, wherever your child is around, make the snack for you and enjoy it casually. Don't ask them to take a bite. Don't draw attention to it. Just start putting new foods out on the table or out in front of them, getting FaceTime and casually enjoying them. So one way that I did this with my own family is I really, we really needed to get some more snacks in that were non-carb sugar after school. Mm-hmm. Um, probably all of us need that. And so it's like, you know, we got to get in some like, like raw veggies would be awesome. So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to put these carrots on your plate and you can have veggie snips and carrots like no then they the pressure's on they're like no i'm not gonna eat that right so instead i just made two things i had a little bowl of veggies chips and then i also next to it had a little plate and i sliced up some cucumber and some cherry tomatoes and some um celery and uh, carrots and had like ranch and hummus you know just like a little veggie platter thing. And Mm -hmm. I just put both on the table, said nothing and just were like, Hey guys, okay. So would you do a recess today? And I'm just grabbing the cucumber casually and kind of dipping it and just super positive and hanging out. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is ways that you can give a positive FaceTime to something with no pressure. So, you know, I, and I did that several times. So it wasn't like it was the slam dunk. Everybody's eating the veggie tray. No way. But I mean, my kids eat all of that today. So yeah, with my, with my older ones, it's definitely harder to do some of those, like me being in control of their snacks. But it's funny because what I've noticed is that as like teachers or coaches have been giving their opinions on what they should eat after school, I'm seeing some independent choices with snacks and their nutrition. And I think that's it's always just funny to me because I'm like, I've been saying this, your dad and I have been telling you this, but it's like when it comes from somebody else and they start to see like what 
their choices mean for their overall nutrition and just their body and their performance. And um, that's interesting to see that flip side as they get older. But I think it is, it's just having the things available for them to make those choices that are, you know, smarter choices um, are good. And again, like you said, having them watch you make those same choices. I think that's something I have to think about all the time. What are they seeing me eat as a snack? that's healthy and just variety and things like that. Okay. So the third thing that I would recommend is something that I, that I do all the time, but um, making this podcast, I was able to kind of put it into words a little more because thinking about what I do, I didn't realize I do this every single time, but basically when I present a new food to a child, I give the food a story in order to make it familiar. So what I mean by that is we socially, when you are introduced to a new friend or something, you would say, oh, this is so-and-so. She goes to your same school and look, she enjoys playing Barbies too. And then suddenly you didn't just say like, hey, this is Katie, you know, like that's not much to go off of. Like, hey, this is Katie. Cool. Totally unfamiliar. Um, But instead, you gave the person a little background and you you shared something that you guys have in common so that naturally they would relax a little bit. So, um, or like for younger kids, when you take your kid to the zoo, you're going to say, oh, look, this is, this is the zebras. Let's look, it lives here. It lives here where where there's trees and it looks like they like to climb and walk around. It looks like they eat grass. And so you're giving, not just giving the name of an animal to label it, but you're giving them a story and a narrative and trying to understand it. And food is the same way. So whenever you're introducing a food, give it a story, like it's an animal or something or a new person. So you're going to say, this is a watermelon did you know that watermelon grows on the ground in a field, kind of like a pumpkin patch? Remember at Halloween when we went to that pumpkin patch and say, yeah, watermelons grow the same way. They're on the ground because they're super heavy and they get really sweet and bright red in the summertime. And um, I actually love to eat watermelon with fresh mint when, when I want a sweet snack. And so giving food a story can kind of help familiarize kids with the food and connect it to something familiar instead of seeming like this is something so foreign. I like that. And it also just, I mean, think of all of the language opportunities that you have happening in that too, you know, as you're talking um, about the descriptions of the food and where it comes from and um, who likes it and where do we find it? I just think there's so many different language opportunities as you're talking about the food and you can come up with so many different games um, that way too. But yeah, I just think that's such a great idea to um, be able to work on just many different language opportunities also. And again, I feel like when you're focusing on that, it takes a little bit of the pressure off instead of just like, I want you to eat this watermelon. You know, let's talk about the watermelon. What does it do? 
all of those things. So, and Kim, when was the last time you have been successful when you told your kid to do something very strongly? Like, does that actually work? (laughs) Mm, Not all the time. And it definitely won't lead to them doing it on their own Mm -hmm. the next time. So yeah, for sure. Okay. My number four tip would be that actions speak louder than words. So one of the really common therapy strategies for feeding is to modify the food, right? So the whole idea that we can cut it, we can dip it in something else. We can squish it with our fingers. We can stab it with a fork. We can do all these things with it, right? But if you just talk through that with a child, I promise it won't work. What you need to do as you're giving these different modifications and ideas is do it together. So, Don't just say, oh, look, do you want to cut it smaller? Should we like cut this meat roll up into small little wheels? They're not going to know what you're talking about, or they're not going to be able to visualize it. Even if they can cognitively, they're capable of visualizing it. They don't want to, right? Because it's like, why would I, why would I even access my mind to do that? You know, so you're just going to totally deliver for them. So you're going to have your, say it's a meat roll-up, like a turkey roll-up or something, and they have one on their plate, or you have one, or it's that whole platter concept, and you're just going to play, and you're going to show them and say, hey, I've got this roll-up. I can roll it, and look, I'm going to cut it. Look at that. It looks like it kind of like a wheel, um, and then you're just going to set it down, and you might kind of preload a fork, right? You might get a fork and say, hey, we could even stab it. Like, let's stab the um, the turkey and look, it sticks on our fork and you're just going to set that fork down. Or you might take a toothpick. There are these awesome two-prong toothpicks mm-hmm. that I've gotten on Amazon that are like this thicker wood, so they're not um, a hazard for, for small children. Uh And I love using those with kids to just interact and have fun, like a way to pick stuff up. And Hey, you know, like little appetizers at a baby shower or something. I mean, we all love cute little bites on a toothpick, you know? So I definitely, um, like interacting with food hands-on with them is so much better than just talking through it. So, Mm That's a big recommendation for me is don't just talk about ways you could change a food, just do it and show them. Right. And this has always been really successful for me with my kids is my kids love when I make faces out of their foods. And I think this is great too, because you can use majority of their preferred foods And, you know, you might have two bananas for the eyes and blueberries for the mouth and a baby bell cheese for the nose. And then we're going to have some turkey for the hair. And maybe one of those foods isn't a favorite, but you can add it on and they want it there because it's helping to complete the face. And that's just been, and we do it with all kinds of different foods and they just think it's fun. And it, again, takes that pressure off. It kind of makes it social. You know, it's a hitting a lot of those different opportunities. But um, yeah, just for whenever it's just not how it, when it's new and when it's different and you're kind of making it playful, um, kids 
Love that. Thank you for listening to today's episode about tips for picky eaters. These were the first four tips, and we have put the second four tips in a separate episode that will be right after this. So hold on and listen to the next episode for the full content of eight tips for your picky eater. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and check out our website, thespeechsource.com. Also, check us out on Instagram for more ideas on speech, language, feeding, and play.